0: Very well read. It's exactly where I wanted you to stop. Well done. Uh, if you've got Jonah there, have it open in front of you. Um, welcome. If you're if you're new or been away for a while, uh, my name's Graham. If um, uh, you don't know me, I'm the minister here. We had a lovely week's holiday last week. Um, our car did break, sadly, so I had to, we had to bring our smaller car. We're very fortunate to have have a, another car we can use, but it was very squeezy in the back seat. Um, I was in the front seat, though, so I didn't really. I do not really understand, did I? Anyway, it's nice to be back, nice to see your faces again, and um, we're, uh, we're starting a new series today, which leads us up to our mission coming up very soon. I'm going to tell you, tell you much more about that next week, but Jonah is a, um, a great book to as a lead-up to that, to study together. So um, turn open to the book of Jonah, uh, and if you're having trouble finding it, it's just after Obadiah. That should make things much easier for you. Um, yeah, it's a little book, isn't it, uh, Jonah? Uh, not always easy to find, but there it is. Do your best to be here over the next four weeks. Uh, I'd love you to. Um, for if, for no other reason, the book of Jonah really, um, really only comes together at the end of the four chapters. So, and the last thing I want to do is spoil a good story by telling the ending now. So I'm not going to do that, and that's why Ian read so well with that but. Um, I've given you a little overview of Jonah in your bulletins. Now, don't read it now. I know you're all tempted to. Maybe you've already done that. If that's okay, if you have. It's got a nice map because everyone likes maps. Um, you can see how far away Tarshish is too. Uh, have a look at that. Read it over. Um, it'll help you get your bearings and uh, understand a bit more about Jonah as we, um, we look into it. There's a bit of background and history there, uh, that, the type of thing we generally won't have time to, to get into on a Sunday morning. Jonah will challenge us Uh, Jonah will encourage us as God's church. The book's um, themes of mission and obedience to God's word, uh, God's grace and his mercy to all, the sovereignty of God, all those themes are just as important now as they were when this book was written. It's a great book. I hope you really enjoy it. And I pray that, um, that God would speak to us through his word as we uh, look into his his word over the next four weeks. I pray that he'll change us, that he'll humble us, uh, that he'll make us more faithful followers of Jesus. That's what I pray. I hope you can pray that as well. Why don't we pray that now, and then we'll get stuck in. Father, we uh, we thank you that you've gathered us here today. It's um, so good to be together. Uh, So good to be together, reading your word, uh, hearing you speak to us. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would, again, open our hearts and minds to hear your word today. Uh, Maybe we've had busy weeks. Maybe we've been distracted by things. Maybe we've, um, maybe we've had a pretty rotten week. But Lord, today let us hear Your word, and let us find great comfort in it, knowing that You love us and care for us. And Lord, we pray that You'd help me to be clear as well. Help us to listen well. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, Jonah, uh, as I said, Jonah, Jonah's a great story. It's a it's a marvelous piece of literature. The account of these fascinating characters is, of course, there's Jonah, uh, the reluctant and rebellious prophet. There's, you know, he's, the one, he's the one who runs from God. There's the big fish. There's the earnest sailors. There's the nasty Ninevites. And, of course, there's God. It's not your average Bible story either, is it? Which leads some people to dismiss it. Uh, it's a bit of a tangent. It's, just, it's left best for the children, Maybe it's Sunday school or kids' church. Don't take it too seriously. It's just sort of that. Well, I want to say that that sort of attitude is a mistake. Yes, it's a little strange. Uh, Yes, it's a little bit weird. And yes, it's meant to be funny at times. Now, I'm not quite sure we're going to get laugh-out-loud funny. I do my best, all right? But it's a little bit comical at times. We'll see one of those points today. And it's a book that the more you read it, Uh, well, the more surprises you'll get. So there's four chapters. I reckon we'll be able to read it four times this week. What do you reckon? (laughs) Give it a go. Read as much as you can. So how then, here's the first important question, how does this weird and little wonderful, strange little book about fish and people being swallowed and storms and so on, how does it fit in to, uh, well, how does it fit in with the rest of the Bible? Well, from the very beginning, from the very first verse... The little book of Jonah is actually tied into the central thread of the whole Bible's message. No matter what surprises may come our way as we read it, no matter what questions we might have and you'll have a few, I assure you, the opening words take up the very fundamental message of the Bible from beginning to the end. Have a look at it. verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came the word of the lord came god has spoken god speaks god the creator of the land and the sea speaks just dwell on that for a moment won't you god speaks god is not some mute idol who leaves us guessing about what's next and what he wants from his creation now he's made himself known to his creation. God speaks. So the God of the Bible is about relationships. He's not some distant force or, or he's not restricted to, to an aspect of creation. He's not that at all. Now he's over and above creation. He's the creator. God comes to us and speaks to us. God takes the initiative in our relationship with him. God Has spoken. So, back to 1 verse 1. God speaks to Jonah, his prophet. The rebellious prophet, it's uh, the first point in our outline there. Verse 1 The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. Now, let's be honest. Preaching about God's judgment, well, is not easy. Jonah thought so. Uh, sometimes I think so, uh, but I'll also tell you why I don't think so in a minute. Now, and over the history of Christianity, we haven't always got it right when we preach about God's judgment either. I'm not a big fan of the fire and brimstone preaching, which has really, uh, doesn't really focus on all aspects of God's character. But God's judgment in reality is something we must talk about. And i tell you why, because if we don't, if we, if we won't understand, I should say, we won't understand, we won't understand God's grace and mercy without understanding God's righteous judgment. You won't get it. You won't understand grace, you won't understand mercy unless you understand God's righteous judgment. Well, Jonah is sent by God to preach, to preach a message of judgment. Uh, 2 Kings 14 tells us that so far Jonah's prophetic messages uh, to Israel's king at the time, that's King Jeroboam II, they've been good news. They've been, oh, the kingdom will expand. There'll be peace and prosperity in your kingdom, uh, King Jeroboam II. It's a good, happy days. It's an easy, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, Jonah was comfortable. Uh, you can read more about that in, in my little overview I've given you. Um, it, it, <laughs> these, for a prophet, that's, this is easy times. Speaking about peace and prosperity, who doesn't want to be a prophet in those times? It's like, going, like doing weddings if you're a minister. Everyone loves doing weddings. Weddings are great. They're good fun. Um, prophets love preaching about peace and prosperity. But verse 2, God says to Jonah, don't get comfortable. Nineveh, this symbol of pride and arrogance and power of the 8th century BC, has confronted God. You see, God is Lord and God over all including the wicked Ninevites, the, the, the part of Assyria. Nineveh was a, a city in Syria, uh, Assyria. Uh, like Jonah, like us, Nineveh was, was accountable to God. God is the judge of Nineveh. Now, friends, I think sometimes we Christians think that God is our God only. If you think that, if you're a Christian person, he, he's just like us, so it, it's, it's as if we think we own him. In other words, we're, we're limiting God and his purposes, aren't we? And God won't have it. No, no, God is the God of all the nations. All the nations. All peoples. Everyone's accountable to God, whether they believe in him or not. Even the nasty Ninevites. So God sends Jonah. He says, get up, go. Now those are important words. I'll come back to them in a moment. Get up and go to give a warning. Give a warning to the Ninevites. Uh, For as as God promised to Abraham way back in Genesis 12, it will be through Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, that the nations would be saved. And of course, as we keep reading in our Bibles, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abraham, who came to be the saviour of the world. So Jonah is sent. Go, get up. Uh, He's sent to warn of God's coming judgement. But Jonah's reaction tells us much about his heart, doesn't it? See, if I knew something horrible was going to happen, a bushfire, a cyclone, an out-of-control t- truck, and I, I said to you, quick, go and tell as many people as you can, get out of the way, get safe. But then you ran the other direction. Well, what would that say about your heart? Quite a bit, wouldn't it? Well, that's what Jonah does. He runs from God. Verse 3. However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. See, it's an interesting point the author makes about the presence of the Lord coinciding with the word of the Lord. I don't know if you picked that up. Jonah is fleeing from the word of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, The two go hand in hand together. You can't have one without the other. The Lord's presence comes with his word. And this fleeing is not a happy place or picture. So when you run from God, you're actually running from all that is good and all that is loving and all that is merciful. That's what you're running from. And that's what the author wants us to bring out. Do you notice something else? That that Jonah is told to get up You notice that, right? Get up and go. Hear the word of the Lord in the presence of the Lord. But instead, what does he do? He goes down, 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 down to Joppa, down into the ship going to Tarshish, and down into the lowest part of the ship. When we flee from the word of the Lord, it's a depressing place. It's a down place. John 1 tells us that Jesus, uh, God's son, is in fact the same word of the Lord in flesh and blood. Are, are we like Jonah sometimes? Perhaps, perhaps you're like Jonah at the moment. They just want to flee. You just want to run. You don't want to confront God at all. You want to listen to him. Running away from the word of the Lord in, in disobedience, in, running away from Jesus. And when we do that, it's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty picture. So what will God do with this rebellious prophet? What will he do? He's running from the Lord. Well, he'll send judgment on him. Look at verse 4. Then the Lord hurled, and literally the, the, the Hebrew is it threw. <laughs> this picture of the creator throwing this, this storm, this wind, um, this violent wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the, on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. You can't run from God. You can't run from God. What was he thinking? Surely as a prophet, Jonah should have known Psalm 139. Remember that? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. You can't hide from God. This is where, I I know, this is where it's meant to be a bit funny. We're meant to go, ha, ha, ha. Now, none of you are doing that, and that's okay. Don't worry. Um, but it, it's meant to be comical. What's he trying to do? Run from God? What an idiot. That's, this is, you know, laugh out loud, funny. Now, we're not quite getting that. But anyway, that's what it is. This is one of those comical bits. You can't run from God. What are you, crazy? There's, you can't try to escape God. There's no way. What a fool. Now, I'm not exactly sure why, but for a time... Um, I think this is when we're living overseas. My kids and I loved watching Border Security, you know that, that show. Um, and Border Security shows different people over and over again trying to hide drugs or other illegal material from customs officials as they entered into Australia. Okay, and they'll hide it in their shoes, in their jackets, in their in porcelain sinks. You know, they'll swallow it even just to try to get through. They'll even hide it in their just in their pockets and they think they can get away with it. Who, me? No, I don't know where that came from. Um, one episode recently showed a man trying to hide dead animal bodies in the lining of his suitcase, and, and he thought no one would notice. He was surprised he got caught. What an idiot. You know, what an idiot. This is, this is, it's, it's comical. You, you really think you can get away with it? Um, it is ridiculous. It's futile. Well, that's the picture here with Jonah and God what are you doing? You can't do that. You can't hide from God. God is in control. He's the creator of the land and the seas. God not only speaks, but in his sovereignty, in controlling all things, that's what sovereignty means, he acts. He holds the universe together. He places the stars in the sky. He controls the wind and the waves. You can't hide from God. Well, so the storm is sent, it's thrown, and the poor old sailors are caught up in the middle of it. Now, let's, let's note two human responses to the storm. See verse 5? Verse 5 tells us that the sailors were afraid. They were terrified. Now, it has to be a pretty bad storm on the Mediterranean for these sailors to be afraid and terrified and then to toss out their cargo, their livelihood, remember, their money, that's what they were tasked to do, paid to do. The the correct term is to jettison the cargo, which lightens the ship and lessens the chance of it being swamped by waves because it sits higher in the water. So furniture, any weapons, they were thrown overboard. Uh, Personal items, even animals were thrown overboard. Imagine this cow going thrown overboard. Um, That's where I think it's funny anyway. Um, Anything was to save themselves. In fact, the sailors do what Jonah should be doing. They cried out to their gods, as was their pagan custom. They did anything they could to save themselves. They had to tick all the boxes. And in contrast, well, then there's the prophet Jonah. Notice him in verse 5. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. Maybe when he woke up, all his troubles might have disappeared. Well, the sailors approached Jonah trying to work out why this was happening who was to blame who's responsible for all this that's how their worldview sort of worked in this in the sailors worldview if there's trouble then there's someone responsible for it before the gods. Uh, it's a little like at home when the vase breaks and the kids have been playing rugby in the lounge room well there's someone responsible isn't there? Uh, so in the sailors thinking um, <laughs> that then they must satisfy or appease the gods in some way. Just like my children after breaking the vase, um, you don't hide in your bedroom and blame the dog or the chickens. Um, No, you need to appease the one who's offended or something like that anyway. Um, So verse 6, the captain, the captain approached him. I might go into that another time, but that's interesting. The captain approached Jonah and said, what are you doing sound asleep? Now, I think that could be translated, you idiot. What are you doing? What are you doing sound asleep? Do something, Let's just sleep. Uh, get up, call on your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. In verse 7, come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Now, then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. And they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? Well, finally, uh, Jonah speaks. He says, verse 9, maybe even preaches. I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Uh, and this terrified the sailors. They were frightened before, well, now even more so. For Jonah was running from, he was disobeying the God who made the land and the sea. And they're in the sea right now, and the sea was pretty, pretty wild. The God who rules over all creation. And so through the words of non-believers, God confronts Jonah. Jonah. In verse 10, the sailors ask him, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? Jonah is responsible and he cannot escape it. So the sailors ask him in verse 11, well, what should we do? What should we do? The storm's getting worse and worse. It's not going away. What should we do when God speaks? It's a good question, isn't it? What do we do when God speaks? What should we do? That's the final point in our outline there. See, Jonah, as a prophet who dealt with the word of God every day, well, he knew the answer to this question. He knew the right answer. And I suspect you guys know the right answer too. But instead of turning back to God in trust and repentance, as he ought to have done, responding in the right way and crying out for mercy to the God who forgives, the God who makes things right, Well, he'd rather be thrown into the sea. He'd rather do that. Just like the cargo moments before. He'd rather do that than admit his sin and return to the presence of the Lord. Go back to Joppa and preach in Nineveh. He finds that just too uncomfortable. Well, the men do their best to row back to land. Uh, They didn't want to take another man's life. Fair enough, you know. Uh, Verse 13 tells us the sea grew even more wild. Uh, It's a futile attempt, taking on God. As Psalm 89 says, rules over the surging sea. God wanted Jonah judged. So, verse 14. That's what I want. Now convinced of the one true and living God, the sailors pray again. But it's a different prayer. They cry out to Jonah's God. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. And don't charge us with innocent blood, for you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. The men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. See, the great irony here is that rather than the prophet's response to the word of the Lord, it's the sailor's response that is lifted up, That that is meant to impress us, these pagan sailors who have this great conversion in this, uh, in this storm. They fear the Lord. That's a, a common Old Testament, particularly uh, a biblical expression, almost always used in the context of judgment. That's the awesome respect we have of God, God who is creator, God who is judge, God who is redeemer. Uh, the sailors no longer fear the storm, they fear the Lord and so like God's people of the time... Uh, in faithfulness they worshipped God and offered sacrifices and made vows or promises to him. Well, what happens next? Well, you're going to have to come back next week, hey? There you go. Um, well, what do we, we have in common with uh, with Jonah? What's it to us? Here living in the southern highlands in, in Robertson, uh, it just seems so far away, it just seems... It seems just not us, really, doesn't it? We don't even have a big ocean with fish in it. Um, (laughs) Friends, the the word of that same God we read in Jonah has come to us. It's a fuller word. God's final word to the world, and that is the word that Jesus Christ brought into the world, what followers of Jesus call the gospel, the good news. Jonah should remind us of what it means that the word of the Lord has come, that, that God has spoken, the judge of all the earth has spoken. And that's good news, as the New Testament calls it. That God is the God even over little Robertson. That God is the God over you and I as well. And that word of God is not some trivial word. No, no, it matters. It's a word that matters. Responding to the Word of God, what do we do when God speaks? Responding to that Word, responding to Jesus, really matters. Friends, which is the closest picture of you when it comes to responding to the Word of God? Are you a little like Jonah, running away from the Word of God, trying to escape what God is really like, perhaps because it's just a little uncomfortable? Is there something in your life that you're trying to hide from God? Well, if that's you, stop. You're wasting your time. It's, it's futile. Running from God, you can't do it. And, like, and running like that will never end well. It won't. So come back to the God of mercy, God of love. Or maybe you're more like the sailors who recognise reality and cry out for mercy and are saved from God's judgement. And so they worship him. They, they give their lives to him. Perhaps today's the day you need to stop running from God and turn back to him. Today's the day to, as the psalmist says, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Today's the day to say, God, your ways are best. Your word is right. Help me to trust in you. I'm going to uh, put a little, uh, little prayer up on the screen. Um, and if you'd like to pray it with me, well, why don't we all pray? And I'll say these words. And maybe if you agree, you can say amen at the end. Uh, And then we have a few moments to ask a question or make a comment or anything like that. i give you some time to think. Let me pray this prayer. Dear Lord, creator of the land and seas, judge of all, my judge. Please forgive me for running from you. I now know, Lord, that this is a waste of time. Please forgive me for my pride. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to me through Jesus, the word of God. Thank you that Jesus died for me, demonstrating your mercy and love. Lord, help me to be like those sailors who lived in the light of your mercy and worshipped you. Amen. Give you a moment or two. If you would like to ask a question.